Thank you so much for tuning in to the Spiro Avenue Show. You could follow us on social media at Spiro Avenue on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can also watch our full episodes and clips and highlights on YouTube. And we would appreciate it if you could hit that subscribe button for us. Anyways, thank you so much for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy. Uh, welcome to a very happy studio here on Spiro Avenue, Justin Spiro. Uh, Michigan State just beat Kentucky in basketball as a seven-point underdog after significant conversations about blue blood status, whether they're blue bloods or not, going in and slaying the dragon. So I'm excited to be here. I'm hoping that Ben realizes our monitor's frozen. I don't know if it's because the monitor was watching the basketball game too with us. I feel like Keon... You and I were like uh, Hillary and Barack Obama in the war room watching SEAL Team 6 take out Bin Laden there during that uh, last two overtimes with Michigan State. I mean, what a, what a good way to start this show, a state taking down Kentucky. Yeah, it was a good dub. I say good dub. Congratulations, y'all, boys. I'll be turning up with y'all soon. You were, uh, you were confident uh, going in. I, I, ben and I were a little bit uh, less confident, I think, but you rode the whole way. So I'm happy to have you. We stayed, or I should say we started, what, almost an hour late because of the game and going into double overtime. So we're going to go fast. I want to talk about this season. Michigan State Twitter, MSU Twitter, really loved you early. They were on you early uh, last year, even before you were really playing. And now you've actually had an on-field manifestation of this energy, and you've actually broken out. This is, I think, by any definition, a breakout year for you. Can you just talk about a little bit the difference from last year being a little bit more on the sidelines? I think it was like five, seven catches all year to now you're in this featured role for Michigan State. Uh, I think uh, just, you know, trusting the process and get better at what I need to get better at as coming in as raw as I did, not knowing as much about being a technician at receiver, really knowing just how to catch, run, and jump, the basics of route running, uh, you know, sharpening those skills once I got here and just everyday learning and Competing to get better. Is yeah. it is it a, a different sort of status like in the locker room? Like is the is the experience any different now? You're going from a bench player to not just a starter, but a star starter. Is that like just a different day to day for you? Uh, I mean, not so much that. I mean, everybody knows what everybody's capable of. Even last year, you know, people got to see flashes of this and that. It's just become on a more consistent basis, and it's like a everything, a everyday thing that. You know, those type of players in the locker room make. So you just that respect from all your other peers. That's about it. I mean, you guys come into this season with it's sort of mixed expectations. Last year, the expectations were low and they were far exceeded. This year, it was kind of all over the place. No one really know, knew what to make of it. And I think even by the pessimist standard, it was a disappointing start in terms of the win loss record. And there, you know, obviously, and we're going to touch very briefly on the controversy and stuff, but. The way you guys have responded the last couple of weeks, I think, says a lot about you guys. Was there ever a point where the room was down and you had to pick back up? I mean, how have you guys been able to maintain the edge to where everyone's kind of poo-pooing you and now you're showing out the last couple of weeks? Well, I mean, it, it was a, a bad feeling, you know, getting booed at our against Minnesota. It was a bad feeling, you know. After those four straight losses, we kind of just gathered as a team and, like, inspiring to each other. Like, we all we, all we have, so we got to lean into Lean into what we've been taught and trust the process, get back to neutral and get some wins going and just execute each play, six seconds of play, you know. And that started to come together and we started to get some wins. Yeah, and I mean, that's the thing. You're dealing with this and it's not unique to you guys. I mean, Alabama loses oh, this year different, but they'll lose one game and their fans are, are tearing these guys up. 
So that's not unique to you guys, but you guys have had a lot of heat on you this year from outside. A lot of people in the national media talk, taking shots at Tucker's contract. Is that something that kind of penetrates the walls of the Michigan State facility? Are you guys aware of that stuff kind of out there, or is it more just tunnel vision? Uh, more so tunnel vision. They're not in those walls, and those four walls inside our facilities knowing what's going on. So we try not to entertain that. We focus on playing football and doing what we have to do on the field. And some of that stuff was going on even before, you know, the Michigan incident. I, I'm not going to ask you about the incident because I know you can't talk about it. I understand that. No one on your team or Michigan State staff has talked about it. I get that. So I'm not even going to ask you. But the aftermath of that, where even, I mean, you were involved a little bit where you shared a picture of you scoring on Jemin Green, who was, you know, supposedly going to lock you up. And I, people were skewering you, calling you on the Michigan side, calling you all sorts of names and stuff. I've just as a you're 19, you said, right? Yes, sir. So you're not you're a 19 year old. To me, kid, I don't mean it in a demeaning way, but like it's you're 19. You, you're you. you're a young guy, and you're just getting crushed by guys in their mid 40s on your Instagram. Is that stuff affect you at all? Does it bother you a little bit? Is that motivation? How do you process that? Uh, more so motivation. Uh, to me, sometimes most of the time, it's more of a laugh, like he he ha ha for us all fun and games for. I don't really let it, you know, what I'm saying affect me because it'd be those same guys. Once you start doing this and that, but it's not to their team, they rooting for you, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. So, I mean, I just look at it and laugh, but I don't really try to pay as much attention to it. Like, I might look every now and then, but, nah, I don't let it bother me for real. Yeah, I, the thing that it really bugs me is when it gets into, I mean, sometimes it's not even really dog-whistled racism. Sometimes it's, like, pretty overt. Like, that's where it gets really ugly. And I think it's kind of gotten there with you guys this year where guys are kind of going to a dark place. I don't know if that's... Because, I mean, obviously every team in the country has a lot of African-American players, but not as many African-American head coaches. I, I, do you guys feel like that there's an element of, you know, Mel Tucker, your, co your coach is a black guy, so we're going to go rip on the black guy's team? I mean, I, I hate to be cynical, but I kind of get that vibe from certain fans. Obviously, I'm not going to paint a broad brush, but is that sort of on your radar at all? No, nah, I mean, we don't pay attention to that. So, I mean, we just do what we came here to do. Play football, win football games, and get our education for real. So there's some we great don't really pictures. get into all of that. There are some great pictures. The ones that you shared on your your Instagram were just nuts with the the Michigan <laughs> thing. I don't the, the racism thing is just what I think is pretty overt racism. It's such a bummer. Like this situation's already so bad as it is, and like we're getting into this coded language stuff. I just it just it bothers me. But incident aside, you know it's it's a obviously public knowledge that eight of your teammates are suspended. I mean, it, what's that like just seeing your brothers, you know, sidelined again, not talking about the incident, but just the experience of not having these guys with you that have been with you this whole way. I mean, Jacoby Winman was here five days before the incident. Great guy. Like what has that been like for you? Just having those guys affected. So we talk about a lot in our receiver room specifically playing every snap like it's your last. You never know what could possibly happen, whether it's injury or anything else. You never know. So just seeing that happen and how quickly it happened and how fastly it escalated, we just take every day as a as a gift for real and just try to capitalize and get 1% better at something during that day to make us better so we can get a win and get those wins for those guys who sadly can't participate at the moment. So it's just more motivation-wise and just being more grateful. Do you have any clarity yet on general timeline uh, with nah. when we'll find out about what's going on? 
Nah, that's not my position to speak on that. Yeah. I, mean, I leave that up to the head coach. I don't really get involved in any of that. I don't think he knows either. I mean, that's that's sort of, you know, that's I'm talking with John U. Bacon on sort of the Michigan media side. I don't think anybody knows. I mean, that's part of the problem. But I, I'm hoping that, you know, obviously some are worse than others in terms of the allegations. But, like, I'm hoping they're just back. I think it's kind of enough's enough. Um, speaking of John U. Bacon, I was talking to him yesterday. He had this report out about you guys are the biggest trash talkers ever. I'm not going to get into the 17-point bullet point, but it was a little bit different from what I've understood. I've talked to multiple guys on your team from last year and this year that say trash talks aren't really part of the culture. Ben, quick throw up the, just the excerpt from John, if you will. Um, I just want to paint the picture. I don't even, I'm not even interested necessarily in the mccarthy aspect as much but the trash talk thing is something i want to tackle so this is from the anonymous sideline worker in the john u bacon report there was an unprecedented amount of trash talk jj mccarthy was running the ball and i heard an msu staffer yell break his fucking arm this is the key part it was the most toxic and hate-filled sideline i have ever been a part of and it starts with the head coach the staff and players who follow his lead I want to play a quick video clip of guys completely contradicting this on our show and before the media about how blaming referees and trash talking, and we'll, we'll roll that. And I want to get your reaction. Whenever you're out on the field, you better take it serious. You better have your mouthpiece in, helmet strapped, no helmets off at practice, and it's it's business. It's it's college, but it's it's a job. Like I get more of a job vibe. Like I'm here to work every day. We're not gonna, you know blame the officials or anything like that you know we'll, we'll see what they say maybe maybe we need to you know do a better job on those plays and maybe not I honestly don't remember too much trash talking actually happening in the game um you know coach Tucker tells us that you know we're, we're not supposed to talk to their team so um that's interesting that's yeah. like a, a rule for you guys you don't talk yeah we don't talk to the opponent or the officials um oh. and so we talk to each other Obviously, you know, sometimes guys will talk to the opponents and, uh, you know, I'll, I'll say something to the official every once in a while too. But, you know, that's, that's what Coach Tuck says and that's what he stands by. So, I mean, there's a gap here where it's this report that not only are you guys talking trash, but it's the most toxic sideline ever is the exact quote. But, you know, I'm rolling out a conga line, a Michigan State guy saying, you're not even allowed to trash talk. Like, what's your experience? Are, are you guys allowed to trash talk? Was there a lot of, was it all-time unprecedented trash talk on that Saturday in Ann Arbor? Me personally, I mean, I don't think so. I didn't really hear much trash talk. I mean, within the game of football, people going to get chippy. Words going to get exchanged. But we have a very disciplined program here, and that's what they're building. And especially sideline discipline. We don't do all the chit-chatter and do all that. We make them feel them by putting pads on people, by hitting, making plays on the field. That do all the talking for us. So we don't really try to get involved with all the trash talk. But, I mean, we, we human at the end of the day. You might get a few words here and there, but... As far as what that what that said, I mean, I've I've never been a part of that. I'm mean, a sideline person. I've never heard anything, any sorts of nothing like that. I don't know where that's coming from, honestly. Yeah, I mean, I talked to two of your teammates off the record who said they were okay with me saying this, but didn't want to be named, and a staffer on the football team, and all three were on the sideline the whole game, unless they were playing. And but they all said the same thing that look, we're, we can't be everywhere at once, but we didn't hear one comment about going for Blake Corum's knees, break McCarthy's heart, not one. And now you're the third player in the fourth person. So I just, I don't know what to make of that, but your answer is consistent with Peyton Thorne, Connor Hayward. Ken Walker was kind of nodding in a different clip we didn't use saying the same thing. But you guys aren't even like really allowed to do it. It's, it's discouraged. Connor Hayward's talking about 
buttoned up, helmet strapped. You know, he was talking about you can't even have a towel. Like, you guys are run seemingly very disciplined, more like a pro team. And, it, it, you know, even Darius Snow said it's run more like a pro team. Yeah, I, I facts, just – is facts. that – yeah. At the end of the day, where does everybody want to go? To the NFL. So – we got the pleasure of having a coach that's coached there for multiple years, and he know the ins and outs of that. So he runs his program like he's in the league because that's where everybody wants to get. And we understand it's pros all over the field when we're playing against other players. Why would we want to just be trying to take other players' futures? Like, they got families too, you know what I'm saying? They got people they got to provide for and all that, just like us. So we would never blatantly just try to take a player out. Like, we're too disciplined. We're too much of pros. We 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 carry ourselves as such like as a pro we wouldn't want to do that to anybody else because we wouldn't want that done to us yeah i mean the other thing is there's no evidence of anyone going for blake Corum's knees or twisting jj mccarthy's arms so it's like because uh -huh, that's, that's right. not that's not what our defense taught yeah yeah they don't hit low we wrap up i know i mean i appreciate you clarifying because you're the first one on the record with an actual like role in this whole thing to say that's not true you're two of your teammates off the record said it too. I just, I don't know what to make of it. Accounts are, are what they are and witness accounts are always, you know, they're the weakest form of evidence in court. Uh, they're not even admissible if they're anonymous, in which case, you know, these are two anonymous cases. So people are going to make what they want, but yeah, I appreciate your, your perspective because I found the report. I mean, I would find the report kind of weird to begin with, but especially like if it had happened under Mark D'Antonio, I'd be like, man, that's kind of fucked up. But it was especially fucked up in the context of I've had multiple guests on the show be like, oh, we're not even allowed to trash talk. So it was such a departure from my understanding of what is not only tolerated, but what's demanded there in terms of being buttoned up and serious. And um, I, I mean, does stuff like that, like being out there bother you? I know we talked about like the Instagram trolls and stuff. There's been a perception that the media has been ganging up on Michigan State. Does that bother you at all? No, we don't pay attention to the media. We, like I said before, we pay attention to what's in our four walls and just control what we can control, go out there and try to win games. So we'll, we'll get off the Michigan stuff. I do appreciate you talking about it because I, and I know you can't get into the actual incident, but your, your experience on the sideline I know is, is, I think, fair game. I just want to talk briefly on just being a two sports star at a Big Ten university where. Yeah, it's just so hard to be at that level in one sport, let alone two. It's you're in that really rare category. Michigan State's had a couple over the years. Draymond Green tried it for five seconds for almost like a photo thing. You know, uh, we've seen it. You know, a, a couple times uh, over the years, but it's pretty uncommon. Just the experience of playing both back to back, especially because I mean, we just talked about the basketball season is already going on. You're in the middle of your football season. I have to ask, because you get asked all the time, but your your plan is to play basketball again this year, right? Yes, sir. But I'm not really focused on that right now. I got a football season to finish, so Yeah, okay. So that we'll we'll break that news. So is it is it hard because the average college football player, they finish their season because I've asked guys on the show before, it's like, oh, we're taking a month to you know, they're they're just kinda eating their, their potato chips and kinda hang out. You're going like right from a heavy contact sport too to the grind of not only a basketball team, but a Tom Izzo basketball team coached very hard. Is that going to be a kind of tough for you, especially now having played so much this year? No, I don't think so. No? Yeah, you have no no grind at all. I mean, you're 19, so I remember 19, you could, like, play, pick up for three hours with a hangover and feel fine. But So, no, you don't need that kind of, like, two weeks to decompress? Nah. It might take a week for your knees to get like accustomed to running back on the hardwood, but other than that, 
taking care of your body in the training room, you're going to be all right. I don't be having to worry about that. The coolest shit with you, and I tried to find the clip. I couldn't find them, but I, I know they're out there. I've seen them. When you're playing football, the basketball team who attends almost every home game, it's certainly a few a year if they can, they're like going nuts for you. Like you have your own cheer section with the basketball team. And then when the football players are in the stands last year, you know, when you sky was at the game, when you scored at the Breslin against Michigan, the half the football team was going nuts. Like you're in this kind of like, you have two fan clubs, you know, when you're playing one, the other's there for you. Do you feel kind of, is that cool to have the support there? Yeah, because, you know, it's, because it's more of a respecting. They know what you're capable of, and they finally get to see it because everybody else really don't as much as they do. So them just having the utmost confidence and, you know what I'm saying? It's just, it's a fun feeling too, though. Supporting your brother and doing something he wanted to do, like, that's very rare. That's, that's different for real, and I respect him for that. I appreciate it. Your drive against Michigan to score, I mean, that, that was as loud as the crowd has gotten you know, not on like a game winning or game time shot, like end of a, a blowout. You guys hammered Michigan in that game. Like, did was that something kind of on your plane that people were going nuts? Are you so in the zone? Like, did you feel how much people really enjoyed that moment in that stadium? Because they went crazy when that bucket happened. Honestly, no, nah, I was more so in the moment for real. I didn't really hear hear as much of it. Yeah, in the zone. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's I, I would be like the type of guy, yeah, because I'm not athletic. Certainly not at your level either. But um, I'm, I'd be like yuck. I'd be you know eating it up and playing to the crowd. And there's no way I wouldn't hear that. But yeah, it was it was pretty deafening. So talking about the two sport thing, you play for two coaches who are pretty iconic in different ways. Tom Izzo, obviously an established Hall of Famer. Mel Tucker, sort of a, a celebrity head coach. Really, I mean, early in his head coaching head coaching career. I, I'm curious for your take on sort of the, the contrast. Uh, it, it's two iconic coaches, the sort of the Tom Izzo versus Mel Tucker experience. We see a lot of similarities, I think. How, like, how are they different? How would you say they're different as coaches? Hmm. All right. Uh, let's see. Some Tough ones? Yeah, because, I mean, they got similar – they have very similar coaching styles, like hard-nosed, punch-in-the-mouth ball, like – they're going to get after you. So, and I mean, they take a lot of things from each other, you know, they're best of friends. So, I mean, differences, I would say, uh, I mean, it's it's okay if you can't name one, maybe they're that similar. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to think, I don't really have, how about intensity of of practices? Cause Connor Hayward told me that the practices on the show, I was telling me their practices are so intense. Like there's not a single rep off. If if anyone sees anyone fooling around, he's, he's up your ass. And we've known that about Tom Izzo for years. You know, there's clips of him just giving it to guys. Is their intensity of practices, like, pretty much the same as one more intense than the other? How would you call that? Yeah, it's very intense because the practice is supposed to be harder than the game. So that's definitely a true statement kind of made. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like you guys, if you're listing the – between basketball and football combined, who – you know, what coaches are known for having the the most rigorous practices between the two combined, it's like – Izzo and Mel Tucker would be two of the top five in the whole country with both sports combined. It's their reputations for how intense their practices are, which makes it even funnier that you're going right from Mel Tucker's, you know, team to Izzo's team. It's just, I, I can't imagine the gauntlet, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're eating a lot of kale or something to stay in shape to handle it. I feel like. So the, the biggest difference for me between them, and I'm curious for your take on it. It's not as a coach, it's their take on sort of the stuff away from the quarter of the field, the social media thing. They could not be more different. And we pulled an example to play them back-to-back to sort of paint this. But Tom Izzo, 
openly despises, he always picks on Twitter, but openly despises social media. Mel Tucker could not be the more opposite. He embraces it, understands the value of it. Ben, if you can roll that mashup, we'll just get a look at what we're talking about. I don't think the social media is helpful to any human being on the planet. How's that? And I mean that from the bottom of my heart. So if somebody wants to rip me for it or rip and recruiting for it, um, what good is it that you, uh, that this freedom to criticize people and uh, I never worry about what my players tweet, never. I can control some of that. But I challenge every human being in this room, if they start talking about your son, your daughter, on the social media like they do players, there'll be some fist fighting going on. What is appealing to a 17 or 18 year old kid that's scrolling through Twitter or scrolling through Instagram and seeing stuff like that? And I think showing that off is huge. I'm just trying to figure out another way to you know, just connect with our recruits and our families and our fans as well. When guys and recruits see this on, on social media, it's the same exact person that they're gonna see when they show up here and talk to Tuck in his office about um, how Tuck's gonna implement him in his program and in, implement him on the field. So it reflects his coaching strategy too. So, I mean, I don't wanna speak for you, but you see more Team Tucker than Team Izzo. I mean, you're out there on social media, you're very engaged. Well, what, what's your take on sort of that, that difference there? Like, is Tom Izzo, he mentioned in that clip, I don't care if it hurts me in recruiting. I mean, do you, do you think a coach needs to embrace that stuff at this point? I mean, honestly, it goes hand-in-hand. Hand. It's all about what you prefer. Because, I mean, this, you're going to get your message across whether it's you using social media or you directly talking to the kids. So it don't really matter. So the, the perception, I think the recruiting class, particularly now that Izzo just signed for next year, is the best counter to this. But the, the assertion that Tom Izzo is negatively impacted in recruiting, I mean, you were a recruit. Do you really care that much? Is it a deal breaker if your coach isn't a big Twitter guy? Is it like, do kids even care about that at this point? No, nah, I promise you they don't. <laughs> Apparently not, because they're citing what is like the second or third best class in the country right now, depending on where you look. But so the as far as Izzo's intensity, and just how he is, you know, his sideline demeanor has come up. It feels like every 18 months there's a new national story about is Tom Izzo too mean. Does that stuff bother you when he's intense? Like I know some guys, I don't want to name too many names, but Rocket Watts didn't really handle it well. Uh, go 10 years farther back, Raymar Morgan really did not handle it well. Does it bother Keon Coleman when Izzo's on your ass in practice? No. You just, it just shows that he really cares and he sees potential that he's going to get that potential out of you because, like I always say, potential gets you beat. So he's but, not going to leave potential in there. He's going to get everything he can out of you. So you have no problem with the intensity, the in-your-face, with the grimace stuff. Like, cause this, uh, you know, Stephen A. Smith defends him. Almost everyone else in the national media, other than maybe Scott Van Pelt, is, is just aghast with Tom Izzo's demeanor on the sideline. I, I think that's just the culture there, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't mind it. I like it, actually. I don't, I don't despise it. It's Ch kind of fun for real. Challenges you? Yeah. Yeah. Have you seen, I mean, I'm not going to ask you to name names, but like, have you seen other guys maybe not handle it as well? Like just the chew out is there, or is it something uh, with your uh, squad? People tend to be pretty strong with it. Uh, I mean, it's on and off. You mean, I mean, some people take criticism, like con constructive criticism better than others and some not used to it. So they take it very differently. So, I mean, it go hand in hand. I won't say any names particularly, but I've seen it before. Yeah, I get, people are, I mean, are human beings. You seem to, like, really not give a shit. Like, I mean, in a good way. Like, with the negativity, like, you're you're more of the 
kind of like Kalen Lucas where he could be getting his head torn off and he'd be like, all right, we're fine, coach, and then go and hit the game winner, you know, at Chrysler. So that seems to be more your claw. In that clip, I mean, Tom Izzo talked about there's going to be a fist fight if anybody says this stuff to my face or to my players' faces, like threatening these these people that are saying negative shit on social media. He's talked about that a lot at great length. about, And there's other clips, too, over the years of him really defending his guys and saying, if you're a Michigan State fan doing this shit, I don't even want you in the fan base. I know you've spoken for yourself, and I won't ask you to name names for other guys, but does that weigh on some guys, the social media negativity? Because Tom Izzo has said it, it has. He's seen guys, not on your team, but in the past, crying in his office about stuff. Are other guys sort of as steely as you are with that, or do you see that affect guys? I mean, it depends. Uh, I kind of grew up differently with my parent. My parent, how I got parented, it was very different. We didn't really care about what people said because, I mean, it started. It starts from a young age. Everybody's going to have something to say when they're not involved in something you're doing. And if if people's not talking bad about you, then you're not doing something good, I, I'm pretty sure. So that's what your parent. Your how like how were you parented? Your parents said like don't yeah, don't I mean, care like about- if if you don't have haters, then you're not doing something wrong. I mean you're not doing something right. My bad. Yeah. But yeah. if everybody's like you feel me, somebody somebody always gonna be hating. Somebody always gonna be saying something negative. Just use it as fuel. If you let it get to you, then they winning. They taking you out of your element. You know what I'm saying? You always gotta stay stay neutral, stay grounded, and just mentally let not let that bother you, and just stay involved in what you're doing. Yeah, I, I think that's the right attitude to have. It's just, and that's a mature attitude. It's your parents did you a solid on that one. Most kids are not. I mean, you have adults. There's some guy in my mentions the other day. He wasn't threatening me, but he's threatening some Michigan State fan over a, a trash talking. He said, "Meet me in Ann Arbor." It's like that guy's like 37 years old. So, like for kids, I get kind of getting wrapped up. I'm serious. It's still up there. I quote tweeted the guy. The guy was like ready to fight, and it's like, dude, the guy's got his wife in his picture with him. It's like, come on, man. I mean, that guy's at least in his 30s. I mean, it's just I don't get it. I don't get it with the intensity and how serious people get, but especially when it's you guys. It's one thing if I'm yelling at you know I'm 35. If I'm yelling at some other 35 year old. But some of the vile shit that people say, like you, I mean, we addressed it earlier, your Instagram post, like, people can still look it up right now. It's like your second to most uh, recent one. Uh, half the comments are like, uh, these guys have problems. Like and they're, they're still up. I mean, anyone can check. It just, I, I think it's such a bummer to see that. The last thing on that topic, and then we'll, we'll wrap up after our speed round here. I've been on the Peyton Thorn train for a long time at this point. I think some of that negativity, that buzz around him is crazy. Do you think the Michigan State fan base, the segment of the fan base that is saying you have to bench Peyton Thorne is a little bit silly, or am I the crazy one? I mean, I think I think they're a little bit silly. I mean, he's a great quarterback. Noah Kim's a great quarterback. It's really not their decision. It's not our decision, not what we prefer. Is who the coach trusts to make the right plays, the right checks, the right things, and lead our team. So, I mean, me personally, I love Peyton as a quarterback. I love Noah Kim as a quarterback. It really doesn't matter who's throwing me the ball. I have great confidence in both of those guys to put the ball where it needs to be. And everybody's human, you know. Everybody's going to miss a few throws. Everybody's going to come up sharp, might have a bad game, even though they're in a position where it's like, no, boo you, you have a bad game, you miss a throw, you suck, woo do woo Them guys are going to let that offend them. And I won't certainly let that offend them because I'm going to help them keep their heads straight, me and the rest of our, our whole team, because you understand the part that they play in the game. And to those fans, I mean, pretty much just get a life. I mean, you're still showing up to the game, so why are you steady complaining?
When he, when he help us win, is a woohoo, you clapping for him. But we take a loss, now you want to bash him. That's, that's what being a fan is. I mean, we can't really control that. He seems to be handling it well if he's even aware of it. I mean, I know he said he's largely off Twitter now. He, I mean, when he was here, I, I mean, I told him, I said, you're like a 50-year-old man. I mean, he's, I mean, in a good way. Like, his, he's very old soul and buttoned up. And, I mean, I, I don't think the negativity is something he's showing. I mean, does he seem to be kind of rolling with the season that you see? Has it been affecting him, sort of this noise around him? No, I don't think it's affecting him. Yeah, I don't see it at all. Well, I, I don't know. I'm going down. I, mean, I don't think I'm going down with the ship. I, I feel good about the Peyton Thorne ship, but it's like I, I just I'm so surprised at the noise around it. I, I'm honest. There's times where I disagree, like like Scotty Hazelton stuff, the negativity with him earlier in the year. I disagreed with it, but I understood it. The Peyton Thorne thing doesn't even make sense to me. So I don't know, I'm glad I have your backing. Ben, let's run quickly through speed round. We got about five minutes left, and then we'll get Mr. Keon out of here. He's got practice. He's got to get up in like six hours. So let's run an abbreviated speed round. I'm, ro- I'm rolling the same four I asked X, Windman, and Snow when they were in. So they got the same set of four. Pre-game playlist. What what are you listening to on your headphones before a game? I got to give you a number of songs. Or what? No, no, just like uh, an, an artist or one artist, two artists. Like who, who's your kind of go-to if you're trying to get hype before a game? Uh, I like Skiller Baby, Tay B style. That's a fire song. I listen to some Tupac, Polo G, Young Boy, uh, Lil Wayne, most of those guys. Good. All right, that works. We talked about two of the quarterbacks on your roster. Let's talk about a third. A favorite of Odell Bredham Jr. and mine, former guest on the show, Caden Hauser. We know he's he's got a little little ways to go. I've heard he's really impressive in practice. What do you make of young Caden? I love him. I ain't gonna lie to you. He's got a bright future. He's learning behind two very good quarterbacks, and he's gonna be the third. He's gonna be that guy. I promise you. He's yeah. He's another guy that kind of that old soul, and everybody loves him up there. Yeah, he's a cool dude, man. Yeah. Cali boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he is. He is. He's got the hair too. All right, we'll we'll move on. Your teammate bodyguard. So you're at the club. Some guy comes up on Keon Coleman is is trying to bust you up, and you can have one guy on your team to be on your side and serve as your bodyguard. Who are you taking on your team right now? Who? That's a tough one. Hold up. Uh. I mean, I see Ben Mansumer with his his thighs, and I want to pick him. But uh, I mean, that guy looks like he can uh, leg press a country. But I'm not around these guys like you are. Hmm. Uh, uh, I say JD or Nick Samak. JD or Nick Samak, one of them. Either uh, one, I take either. Or. Are, they, are they just scrappy as fuck, or are they is it yeah, strong as fuck? Scrappy guys, and they can move too. They can move. Yeah, right, we'll roll with that. Last one, best player we haven't seen yet. You would have been a really good answer for this question last year because we didn't see that much of you in the receiver role. Who is really impressive in practice, but it's just, you know, as a freshman or it's not their time yet, but in a year or two, we're going to say, holy shit, that guy's a player. Hmm. Jeremy Bernard. Jeremy Bernard. Another former guest on this show. Jeremy Bernard is, uh, I, I've heard really good stuff about him too. So yeah, he, he's that dude, bro. I ain't going to lie to you. He's that dude. I think, it, I mean, it really might be, cause I think Mosley's graduating, right? Isn't he, he done after this year? I mean, it might be. Uh, you know, and obviously Reed is gone after this year. It might be you and Jeremy Bernard, uh, Bernard next year. That might be like the one, too. I think that's sort of the presumption, right? It's the 
is the idea. <laughs> you don't want to speak on the depth chart. I don't blame you. But yeah, I don't speak on that. That's not no. That's not for me. I'll say it for you. The the presumption is it's going to be you and Jeremy Bernard next year. Well, this was this was our shortest episode ever, fastest, but it wasn't meant to be. It's because we had a double overtime game to watch. So I know you got practice. You got to get up at five thirty in the morning. So I'm going to get you out, man. But I really appreciate it. You drove all the way here in a snowstorm to to attend this show, and then we ended up watching a basketball game for a lot longer than we thought, but love the outcome. Honestly, I've really loved watching your growth. You are probably the most popular player on the football team in terms of the the Twitter sphere. The the fan base just loves you. Your development has just been a joy to watch. You're a lot of fun to watch play and, you know, you play hard and and smart. And I really, you know, I admire what what you've done and how far you've come. So I, I really applaud you and I wish you continued success. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So that was Keon Coleman who, we said we'd do about an hour with him. We said, holy shit, Michigan State's about to upset Kentucky outright in double overtime. So we pushed it back. So I can't keep him any later. We'd love to have you back, though, anytime, Keon. That was Keon Coleman. Ben Augusta, other side of the wall. Appreciate you, Eric Williamson, and his boxers on his couch. A lot of love to you. Keon Coleman, Justin Spiro. We'll see you soon. Thanks. Be right back.